0: 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's start reading. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's clear enough. (laughs) Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let, let each man have his own wife. And let each woman have her own husband. And this is the whole topic. This is the whole conversation. Even uh, the Apostle Paul, now he's writing to the Corinthians church about this subject. This subject is the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore. This subject is the same thing, and it's the same thing that we talk over and over and over, but then... How do we keep failing uh, the Lord? How do we uh, just in this area of our lives, you know, even as young adults, sometimes there is um, things that we do that we expect God's blessing upon our lives, but we don't honor Him with our conduct and the way we do things. So now Paul is talking about you know, the subject about, you know, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Why? It, it doesn't mean that it's bad for a guy just to touch a woman, but to touch a woman in an improper way when it leads to sexual immorality. And, and back then, uh, the culture in, the, in Corinth was one that there was tremendous sexual perversion when it came to, you know, them being safe, And then they kept this culture of sexuality and they wanted to bring it into the church. And now this is where Paul is going to address this situation. And, and let's pick it up in chapter 6, verse 12, so we can get the whole context of what Paul is talking about. So in verse 12 it says, all things are lawful to me. But all things are not helpful to me. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So it's cool for you to do your own thing. But not all things are beneficial to you with your walk with the Lord. And not all things are going to be done that we want to do that is going to glorify God. And a lot of these things that I'm not going to continue to do them, because these things are not going to have power over me. So, and then he gives some examples. Foods for the stomach, and the stomach for the food, but God will destroy it, and then. And now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raise up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined, with the harlot is one uh, body with her, for uh, the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality and every sin that comes uh, that man does not. that. Uh, Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, but you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And let's stop there. You know, a lot of times, you know, people think, uh, they think in their minds, hey, uh, how far can I go? And they, they, there's people that have come constantly says, hey, how far can I go before I become you know, into immorality. And if you have to ask me that question, the answer is you've gone too far. You've gone too far. You're out of bounds. Because what you want to really find out is how much you can get away with when it comes to sexuality before you start sinning. And one thing that I was going to do, but I looked in my office at work and I couldn't find I was going to do that illustration that Adrian talked about last week that you get a piece of paper, and I did it with a youth group one time. You get a blue piece of paper, and you get a pink piece of paper, and you glue them together, and you let them dry, and then you try to take them apart and see what happens. There's going to be a tearing. It's not going to be the same. Some parts are going to remain in one side of the paper. The other part is going to remain in the other side of the paper. And this is what Paul is talking about when it comes to sexual immorality for us as Christians. We got Jesus Christ that reigns in our lives. We have come up and say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. But, Lord, I want to keep doing this thing, you know, in your sight. So we want the benefits of heaven, of Jesus Christ. But then at the same thing, we want to continue to do things the world's way. It does not mix with God's commandments and God's way for us as Christians. It seems that we kept to falling in the same trap over and over. We talk about this subject over and over. And it's not just here. In young adults, they talk about it in youth. They talk about it in in, in the services as we go through the Bible. It's the same play that the enemy uh, plays all the times. And it's not just... I'm not just speaking to you guys, I'm speaking to myself too. Because so many pastors, so many leaders of the church have fallen to sexual immorality and adultery. And what they have done, they have gone completely ripped off of what God was going to do in them and through them. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of mercy and grace. But it's going to cost you. You're going to have issues when you fall under these temptations, and that's why Paul says to flee from you know these passions. We choose to trying to find shortcuts as we are navigating through life, walking with Jesus. We want always, you guys. I don't know uh, nothing about this because I don't play video games. But you guys get up video games, and then you're trying to find out what the shortcuts because you want to make it all the way down to the end. You don't want to do it on your own. You try to find shortcuts so you can get done quicker. And you say, hey, I got it. You cheated. You cheated because you didn't do it on your own. You were trying to find all the shortcuts so you can get to the end it's just the easier way. And there is nothing easy about walking with the Lord today in today's society. There's nothing easy about it. There's no shortcuts. There is only one way, His way. His ways are higher than our ways. So we got to submit ourselves to His ways and His commandments and what He wants us, the, the way He wants us to live our lives. Some people rather sin or get into idolatry than having to obey God's commandments when it comes to marriage and his instructions and the way he gives us, you know, he wants this to be a priority of our lives. Is God really important in your life? Do you give God the priority in your life that, and the reverence that he rightly deserves? Or you're one to say, okay, I come here, I did my time, I came to the course, as soon as I'm out of here, I'm going to continue to do what I do. I, do you act one way here, and do you act different when you're in school, when you're at work, when you're around people that are not Christians? I was telling somebody this weekend, I took a couple of pagan pigs with, it, with me to go hunting this weekend. And I love that because I love to deal pe- with people that, that they don't know the Lord. But I like to make a stand. I make a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter if I'm here no matter if I'm at the ranch, no matter if I'm in an event, no matter if I have my Harley Davidson motorcycle with a whole bunch of patches and I'm there in Daytona with all the craziness, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Even though that's a den of Satan, what is taking place there in in Daytona Bike Week, they're not going to make me change my stand. I will not engage in their behavior. What my job is to use that stupid motorcycle, to use that event as a hook to bring people to Jesus Christ. So I go there for a purpose. I don't just go to hang out with them. I go there for the purpose of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ in a pagan event. Who are you today? When it comes to relationships, are you willing to play a little bit on this side of the fence and then come to this other side? God is not going to be well-pleased with you because you're taking shortcuts. Is this Christian walk, is there a priority in your life to find a mate? And that's why Paul writes here that Hey, this is a reality. And this reality, even as I have talked to pastors, because I thought I was the one that was so messed up. I talked to this other pastor, so I inquired, hey, do you have the same issue? What's the issue? The issue is that young people are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and they don't want to get married, they don't want to just get into a relationship. They keep waiting and waiting. And as they wait, I'm an old dude, but I know where it's at. There's shortcuts. There's no way that you can go with this desire that God has built inside of you and go on and go on and go on and and just wait and wait without failing, without taking shortcuts, without messing up. And that's why Paul tells them here, hey, it's better for you to hook up and get married. Than, and, and we're going to go into details what Paul is, you know, is going to tell us. And a lot of times is, and I'm not throwing your parents under the bus because I'm a parent and I have two I got a son and a daughter, and I raised them up the same way because I consider you guys to be my children. I'm not going to tell you something that I have not done in my own house. A lot of times, you know, your parents are influencing you to do the wrong things that leads you away from God. And you rather listen to your parents when they're leading you outside godliness, then say, no, I'm going to obey God. And this is the only time that you still have to respect and honor them, but you don't have to obey because you guys are adults. Anytime any person wants to get you off and, they, and your parents, you know, some of these Latin parents, hey, dude, you have to go out there, you have to play the field. You have to check out the packages because how can you choose a good package when you haven't tasted the candy inside the package? And that's the reality. A lot of your parents tell you that because I have heard that over and over and over. And then some of the moms come to you girls and they tell you, hey, marry up for money. You want to have a good life. So look for a dude that is loaded. That's how you choose. Or you're going to choose God's way. Verse 3. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not a commandment. For I wish all men were even as myself. But even each one has his own gift from God. One in this matter and another in that. So for us, when we are looking to get into a relationship and this is the thing. The enemy comes in even after you're married, you know, when it comes to the sexuality. And Paul, even in marriage, is going to address it. He addressed it here. It's even better for you a single people to get married than to take shortcuts. And then when you're married, make sure that you do not deprive of this God-given desire of having sex. So the enemy comes in and rips you off of what God wants to do in your life. And that's why it says, do not deprive one another except with the consent for a time. A time to go and pray and seek the Lord. But, you know, this is the reality. When it comes to marriage, the guys are always ready Freddy. Honey. I'm ready, Freddy. The, the guy always has a, you know, he's fast. But sometimes the lady, hey, you know, I got a headache. You know, I worked really hard. I'm not up to it. What you're doing, even as Paul is addressing this here now, you're opening a door. Why? Because now as you have these needs, you have this desire, your wife is not meeting those desires. Guess what? And what is the neighbor lady up to? <laughs> and how many people fall because even in marriage, their sexual needs are not met. This is what he's talking about. And the duck man, I, I watched Duck Dynasty. One time there was a show. <laughs> there was a show that he talked about the same thing. He was consulting that with his wife. And he, you know, Phil Phil has a special way to put this, you know, in perspective. But the Lord knows the desires that we have. We're sexual beings. That's a God given the, you know, way that the way that God designed us. We're sexual beings. We have sex for pleasure. I never seen the cows that I have, you know, having sex for pleasure. And that's the reality. They have sex just to procreate the animal kingdom. But for us as sexual beings, as God has given us this desire, the enemy knows how to twist, how to manipulate that to bring us down from God's plan. The enemy has his schemes and his plans. It's not only the sexual desires that we have for one another, but also it says for us do we need to respect. Wife, respect your husband. Why do they bring this over and over and over and over when we're talking about marriage and this? Because the wives, their tendency is not to respect their husband. It's not to respect their men. It's to throw them under the bus. This guy is an idiot. This guy's a moron. And you know what you're doing to a man when you tell him that? It's better for you to hit him in the face with a baseball bat. That hurts him more. And why is the wife has this desire to be loved? And when we as men... Do not love her as Christ uh, has loved the church and he gave himself for her. The wife get caught up. It's better for you to to just walk away from your wife. And and that's going to hurt her less than when you don't show love and affection to her. The wife needs that reassurance from a man, not a boy, but a man that he loves her and he's willing to move mountains for her. That's her DNA, the way that God designed her. And what happens? When we don't meet that need, then we're failing. And that's when all these issues arise in a relationship. Everybody has a different conviction. And I'm not going to tell you what conviction God has put in your heart. But we have to show affection. You know, even as we get to know each other in a relationship, if you are cold as ice in this relationship, what's going to happen? This is going to transfer into marriage. And then you get a lot of dudes laying on the couch watching a football game, and the wife is dying for her husband to talk to her and show, you know, tenderness and love on her, and he's too busy with a stupid football game. Now the guy gets home from work, and this guy has had a bad day at work with all the issues dealing with all the cycles at work. And he comes in through the door instead of the wife saying, hi, honey, you know, I'm glad I made you dinner. Hey, dude, look, you're so lazy. I told you last week that you need to paint this door, that you need to do this. And she starts barking and getting on him and just treating him like trash. That guy is going to fade away and he's going to distance himself from you. Because that's outside God's design. In Ephesians 5, 22, it says, "Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. And the ladies have a problem with that. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask the ladies to raise up their hands if they have a problem with that. Because the ladies do have a problem with this role. But this is a God-given role. Even in the garden, when there was sin in the camp, God came and addressed Adam. He didn't address Eve because he was the head of his home. How come you allowed your wife? Where were you at? What were you up to? Watching TV? Watching the football game? So, For the wives to submit for the headship of the men, that's what God wants in a relationship. You say, but Jose, you don't understand. Uh, all these guys that I talked to, for me to submit to them, I'd rather climb, climb Mount Everest than having to submit to, to those guys. Because... But you're not submitting to him, you're submitting to the Lord. Also, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. There is a role. There is a structure. God is a God of order. God is a God of structure. God does not move in the realm of chaos. And that's the instruction. And do we have a problem with it? Don't come to me. Go to the Lord. Because he needs to do a work in your heart. In order for your marriage, in order for your relationship to last and and go the way God intended it to go. Go. You have to follow these roles. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. Dudes, when you get into a relationship that is leading to marriage, I hope to God, that you're praying with her and you're reading her the word of God. Because you have been called by God to be the pastor, to be the leader of the home. And the pastor and the leader of the home has to be the spiritual leader and it has to lead the women when it comes to the reading and and, and God's word. And that's why you wash her. You cleanse her by the word of God. But what happens? Guys are lazy. Oh, no, honey, you do the devil with the, with the kids. Oh, God, uh, honey, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to read. You know, it's just tired. And, and then we, we come, and what, what does the woman do? The woman, her instance is when the guy is a slacker, she comes in, and she takes over the role. When it lasts, she steps in. I'm ready to go. Lord, use me. This slob doesn't want to do it. I'm going to do it. But be careful. Because even in this, and this is where, where I need to be clear, very clear with you. Here, it says, that the guy has to wash his wife with the word. But now, if you think, oh, I like her. She's a hottie. Let, let me play the role as the spiritual dude to impress her. Because here, Christians want to embrace the female kind. That they're spiritual. And so... Hey, uh, this is the word that the go the Lord gave me for you. She doesn't even know your name. <laughs> Get back, Jack. Get back, Jack, because you're missing with another man's wife, and that's not your role to step in into that role. And if you're I don't want to use the word dating. If you are getting to know each other, the process of courting and getting to know each other, and you are not 100% sure that she's going to be your wife, do not go down this route because that's what she's looking, and we're going to find out What what ladies are looking in a man and the things that they detest about you, you maggots. Now, what's going to happen is you build her up and now you say, oh, she's not for me. Now you walk out. What you did, you spiritually raped her. Let me put it in those blunt words. You spiritually raped her because she's not your wife. She's somebody else's wife. You step in a territory that you're trespassing. And a lot of guys do that. Christian guys do that for the sake of having insight into a girl. I hate that. And if one of you girls tell me that a guy did that, the pastor title... I'll leave it over there. <laughs> and then I'll put on the ramble title and I'll beat the pulp out of you. So, no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let The wife sees that she respects her husband. God, I love God. And I love this walk with the Lord. Because I'm a stupid guy. I'm not the sharpest knife in the box. So for me, it's so simple that even a caveman like me can understand it. And a lot of you guys are a lot more educated than me. And a lot of you guys know. But how come you don't get it? Verse 8. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise Self control. Let them marry. For it is better, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And this is where it's at. Paul said, wait a minute, guys. I'm I'm doing this as a single man. But I got this sexuality under control. If you can do like me, it's okay if you stay single. But now, if you cannot exercise self-control, then get married. <laughs> I just want to be real with you. I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. When I got married, I was 18 years old. But even a, as a non-Christian, I could not have waited until I was 30, 35 years old to get married. I couldn't. So even right now, for you guys that are Christians, for you guys that got Jesus Christ in your heart, the thing that it blows my mind away is why do you guys make this whole thing about relationships so complicated? Why is it so complicated? Why is it so complicated that you wait and you wait and nobody's good enough and this guy knows this and that girl know that and this and that? It's just, I get tired. I just get tired of hearing about it. Because if you don't you cannot get a hold of your sexuality at this age, can marry. That's what that's what they're telling you. This passion. And you're burning in passion. Because you're struggling. You're struggling. Is when it comes to sin, we come and we hear God's word. We already know where it's at. We know what to do. We know what to do. But we're so weak and we don't take heed. One of the things that just drives me crazy at night is I'm thinking, Lord, Are you going to be able to say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant? The thing that drives me crazy at night is, and I examine myself, and I check myself, and I have struggles, and I deal with my struggles, and I'm fighting there, you know, this flesh. Because the thing is, I want to make it into heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Is that a reality in your life? Do you examine yourself? Do you want to, everything that you do, do you want to do it in such a way that is well-pleasing to Jesus? When it comes to relationships today, and the problem is we got so much of the world, and we have so much worldliness and we look at worldly people, and we're looking at the TV the way things, and we we try to mix uh, the Bible with this world and that's the same things that the Romans did, the same thing that the grecians did, they brought their idols into the into the house of the Lord and even I gone to the Vatican I went to the Vatican I almost came throwing up I, I, I was gasping for air. I'm not claustrophobic. And I was gasping for air. Because this is supposed to be a holy place. Where supposedly a person that loves God is there. And there's so much idolatry and statues. I felt like getting a machete and start chopping heads down. Because that's what they did in biblical times. So... Are we allowing worldliness to control our relationships? Are we allowing a worldly friends to dictate how we're going to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? can be done. You got to make a stand. Verse, verse 10. Now to the Mary I command, yet not I but the Lord... A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to divorce his wife, but to the rest. I, not the Lord says, if any brother has a wife, who is not a believer, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. Divorce is not an option. Even now, get that through your head. And I hope that in your walk with the Lord, the word divorce, it never comes into the picture. Two different people, two different personality, there is going to be clash. There is going to be friction. Work it out. The Lord is on your side. Work it out with the Lord. But divorce is not never a way out. Never. But to the rest, uh, uh, verse 13, and a woman who has... A husband who does not believe. If she's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but now they are holy. But remember, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called them to peace. Or how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how will you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Let's stop there. A lot of you guys have contemplated to get into relationships with people that don't know the Lord. And that's called to be yoked unequally. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, and what is Paul is talking about here is a husband and wife. After they're already married, after they're, already married they're two pagan pigs. Now they get married. One gets saved. Paul is saying, don't don't bail out. Stay there. But now you guys that are looking for a mate, do not go to the world looking for somebody that is an unbeliever. Because I guarantee you something today. If you go down that road, your marriage will not. Stand a chance. Your marriage will not stand a chance. I heard an amen back there. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you guys look to unbelievers for a mate? No, if I... uh, you know, if I come with the gospel of John and then uh, and, and I teach them, uh, then they're going to get saved. Chances are that's not going to happen. And what's going to happen, you're going to get into a marriage that is going to be hell here on earth. And this is Paul telling you, don't go there. Don't go there. Second Corinthians 6 13. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has the light with darkness? and what accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. The day you gave your heart to Jesus, you became the temple of the living God. You yourself, as people look at you and they say, this person is different. This person, the way they act, the way they talk is different. Why? Because the living God is tabernacle is hanging out with us. But when it comes to choosing a mate, are you choosing by our appearance? Are you letting people influence? And we were talking back there the sharks. Those pagan pigs that are out there in the world, they know how to blab and tell you, ladies, what you want to hear? Hey, honey, you got the total package. You're looking fine today. Oh, really? You know, that dress makes you look like a candy cane. (laughs) I... (laughs) I don't know. But they're going to tell you things because they want to get inside your mind. Yeah, I'm sweet like a candy cane. Yeah, you can say that. But now, when it comes to the Christian guys, the pagan pigs, they have all the words because they're fighting among sharks to see who comes out with the best line, to see who's going to get the prize. So they're fighting like wolves, like raging wolves for the prize. So these guys are going to tell you things that you have never been told before. Guys! I hope in the, in, here in the church you guys don't come up with those lines. But throw a few syllables every once in a while. The guys here at the church, "Hmm." (laughs) oh, did I pee on my pen? This is so scary. This is supposed to be a man. This is supposed to be a godly man. A godly man comes and we'll find out if the girls want a leader, a man, or if they want a scary guy. So then here at the church, we have this issue, that the guys do not know how to talk to the female kind. One of the key things in a relationship, one of the foundations things in a relationship is communication. You have to be able to communicate and talk to have a healthy relationship. And right now, at this stage, when you're giving your best, you're supposed to come out with the total package, the goods. (laughs) Did you wash your hair today? Come on. I don't want you to be a shark, but I want you to be a guppy and get in the water and swim a little bit. I'm not going to be able to finish this whole chapter. I'm not going to be able to finish it. It's too much for me to say. But God has great expectations for you guys and for you ladies when it comes to prepare yourself for a relationship. I know it's a heavy call. I know it's a heavy responsibility. But God is the one The design marriage. And God is the one that equips us and prepares for us to go into marriage. And this is for you guys. For you guys. How many of you guys? How many of you guys did the homework? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And the ladies did You know what the homework is? What was the homework for the guys last week? I don't hear it. What is it? To read Proverbs 31. That's the homework. So I knew that there was going to be a lot of dudes that didn't do their homework. So I'm going to do the quick, the the test here now. This is a pop quiz. Proverbs 31, verse 10. A wife of a noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. She's priceless. Her husband has full confidence in hurt, and lacks nothing of value. We trust her. She's a godly woman. She's a woman of integrity. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She does not throw him under the bus. She selects wolves and flags and works with her eager hands. She's a woman of action. She gets busy. She is like a merchant ship brings her food from afar. And she gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and provisions for her servant girls. A godly woman. Doesn't sleep in till 11 o'clock on Saturdays. She's not a slacker. She brings food from afar. That's the kitchen. <laughs> Do you ladies have you ladies have been inside a kitchen? Or to you, a kitchen is a restaurant. Do you know how to cook an egg? In the honeymoon, give them eggs every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) This is God's expectations of you ladies. You want to win a dude? Feed him. <laughs> Feed him. And he'll mow he'll the whole lawn. He'll do a Mickey Mouse in your front lawn. <laughs> Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she... Plants a vineyard. She's not a parasite to mommy and daddy. She considers a field. Hey, check this out. I need to buy this for my house. She's not begging for money. She has her own cash. Verse 17. She sets about her work vigorously. And her arms are strong for her tasks. She works. And this is one thing that I have an issue with. This is God's commandment. I don't know why a lot of, you know, Christians, they think, oh, no, my wife is only good to make babies and for her to stay home. The wife comes alongside her husband and helps him, and they build together. I am—I was telling John today at work—I am not who I am if it would not been for my wife. Everything that we have, we build it together. She is a hardworking woman. She's a godly woman. She makes me a better man. That's my wife, and this is the woman. The woman is not a princess to stay home looking her barn. If it needs painting, paint it. But don't live about just painting the barn. And your hair, and your nails, and your teeth, and, and the clothes. That's worldliness, that's not godliness. The beauty is inside. Verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable. She, she's smart. She's smart. She knows how to deal in the marketplace. Hey, this is a bargain. In Publix, they're ripping me off. I'm going to go to Aldi's. I made 50 cents on this. She, she knows where it's at. She doesn't come to, you know, to the first place and gets everything. Oh, no, th- this is unspecial. Hey, I got to go this. She is smart in her way she uh, spends her money. Oh, no, I got the, uh, the dude working, so it doesn't matter. The first thing that comes, it goes. And her lamp does not go out at night. So she makes sure. That the house is put together and everything is in working order. In her hand, she holds her, the staff, and gas the spindle with her fingers. She knows how to sew. She know how, how to... How many of you ladies know how to sew, you know, a hole in a pen? How many of you ladies know how to do a hymn? I took home economics. I took home economics. I was there with 32 female kinds, and I was the only dude there. And, and my guys' friends, they stop by. Ah, yeah. I say, yeah, look, 32 of me. You're the stupid one. I know how to do a him. I know how to, I, I know how to do it. But the problem is, are you ladies, do you know how to do it? To take care of your home. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She has a tender heart that is worried about the people that are less fortunate. She has a soft heart that she thinks about other people not only herself. Instead of going and buying a purse for herself, she gets the money and she goes and feeds the homeless because she's worried about other people not consumed with herself. When it snows, not here in Miami, she has no fear for her household, for all, the, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She has made threads for the whole family, so they're not gonna be cold. She makes covering for the bed, and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. She takes care of her home. Ladies, how is your room look like? Did you make your bed? Did you wash your towels? Wear your clothes. In a hamper or all over the floor? Starts now. Not after you're married. If those things, this is in preparation for marriage. The guys are going to be looking for this in you. And you got to raise up and be ready for the task. So you got to train yourself, prepare yourself. If you're not doing these things. This is God's List of things for you to do before you get married. Not after you get married. Her husband is respected at the city gate. And wherever it takes his seat among the elders of the land. So her husband is looked up to because she helped them get there. That's her taking care of her husband. She makes linen garments and sells them, and she supplies the merchants with sashes. You know, she's wise. She's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs at the days to come. This is a woman that is secure in her. She has dignity. She's a woman that knows what she wants, and she... Whatever comes her way, she's not afraid of life. Why do we have to fall apart? And this is the thing when we're Christians, we think that we're going to have a perfect life. That's not a reality. That's not a reality. So you got to prepare whatever life sends your way for you to laugh and say, I'm ready. It's going to hurt me, it's going to be hard. But I'm going to get through it. So that's a mindset. That's the mindset of a Proverbs 31 woman. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions is on her tongue. So she is wise. She makes good decisions. She washes over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not idle. I say idle time is the enemy time. If you have, all I have to do is, I'm glad that I'm not there, but if I go in social media, how much time are you spending in social media instead of taking care of things at home? You got too much time, too much free time, because you're not doing nothing. If you're so busy, you will not have time. You, you have too much time to go shopping. You have too much time for all this other nonsense that to God, this doesn't matter. Because that, what it matters is to worldly people, not to Christians. And we have bitten in that, and we are walking in the ways of the world, and we don't realize it. And that's why we find ourselves where we are at, in relationships. Because the guys are failing and the women are failing. And that's the reality. Her children arise and call her blessed and her husband also. And he praises her. The husband praises her. Honey, you're awesome. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Some of these other ladies are good enough, but she smokes them. They can't hang with her. Charm is deceptive. Charm is deceptive. And beauty is fleeing away. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The beauty is inward. It's not how you deck yourself out. It's inward. And the sands shift. Look at my body. It looks like a tidal wave. (laughs) The beauty is inside. Give her the reward that she has earned. And let her works bring praise at the city gates. That's a godly woman. Are you ladies striving to look at this and say, I, I, I got it? So then when the guys check you out and say, that godly woman I want. But guys, I don't have time for you. But I told the guys, this is what you should be looking in a wife. This is not a how hot she looks or this or that. And, and a lot of times is we choose poorly. But one of the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close, because I want to have this time of questions answered, is um, in First Thessalonians 4.10, and this goes to the guys. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more that you also aspire to lead a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your hands and with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly towards those that are outside and that you may lack nothing guys what are you lacking are you working hard This is the time in in your lifetime that you gotta work extra hard, harder than ever. Stop whining. Stop making excuses. And and pick up the role of a spiritual leader, of a provider, and make it happen. And then you're not gonna lack anything. Work ethics are critical in a guy, it's required of a guy. 2nd Thessalonians 3:6-14. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but we work and labor and toil night and day, that we might not be burdened, uh, be a burden to any of you. Not because we Have authority, but but you make yourselves as an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So guys... What are you up to? I don't know how you find to play video games and how to spend the whole Sunday watching sports when you got to prepare yourself for life. You got to prepare yourself up. Your future wife is depending on you. She's depending on you. Now, in preparation for Life. 1 Timothy 5.8, and I'm, I'm done. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do you think for God there is an importance of working? No, I got a little part-time job. I got it hooked up. I'm making $15 an hour. Try to buy gas three, three weeks from now. See if that little check is going to cover the gas. In your own house with your parents, when was the last time you painted the house? When was the last time you mowed the lawn? When was the last time you helped your parents? If you haven't done that, if you haven't done those things, you're a parasite. And no woman is going to choose you. Reality. Oh, I'm going to hang out with the boys. We're going to go to the beach. Man, don't go to the beach. Man, make a way to provide for his family. And this is the thing. I'm not telling you this because I came up with this. It's in God's word, and then we don't take He, we don't follow. We take all this idle time, or we don't want, you know, we don't want to get blisters on our hands. Girls, when you touch a, a guy's hand and he has clear stuff, and you touch and you don't find a callus, don't come near the bum, because if he's like that now. When you get married, it's going to be 10 times worse. Guarantee. No shame. No shame of working with my hands. No shame. I look forward. I had a job that I had to wear a three-piece suit with a rope around my neck. And I hated it. I hated it. And and the people at work told me, you're going to leave this to be with construction boots and shorts in the sun all day long? Say, I can't do this anymore. I did it for eight years. And during those eight years that I was doing that, I was already remodeling houses and flipping houses before this came cool in a TV show. There was no TV shows then. When my friends were driving Corvettes and all these cars that they were, they they owe all the money on it. I used to have a car with a hole like this. I never owned a new car until 10 years after me and Belgis got married, but I never owe $1 to anybody. When I did a house, I did it all cash. I didn't have to go to the bank. I lived my life taking a bag of lunch To work, when everybody else was going to to the restaurants and dropping money, I had my bag lunch. I ate it there. I didn't have to impress anybody, anybody, anybody. And today, we live our life beyond our means, and we spend more than what we make, and you get into credit card debts, and then you say, I'm not ready to get married. That's on you because of your conduct and the way you lived your life. That's what you got. A godly man does does not do those things. A godly man does not compare himself with what the other ones are doing. I can buy an $80,000 truck. As uh, Lewis, if I'm going to do the things that I do at the ranch with an $80,000 truck. Go through the brush, go through the mud, run over the pigs. No, I don't run over the pigs. (laughs) Hey, the gray, the gray, and I'm done. The gray, King Solomon came to the conclusions of this. Read the book of Ecclesiastic. Vanities of vanities, always vanity. Have you been caught up into vanity? Vanity is worldliness. It's not godliness. What we need to focus on is ungodliness and trying to please our Heavenly Father, even in this stage of your life, when you're preparing yourself for relationships, when you're preparing yourself for the future wife and the future husband, it started at the time you left high school. Some of you guys have wasted a lot of time. And that's why you have to wait to get married because you're not ready. Let's pray. Glorious Father in heaven, we give you thanks. We praise you for your word, Lord that it pierces us, that it hits us in the innermost part of our beings. Lord God, let our conduct be worthy of you. Help us, O Lord, in the areas that we're weak, in the areas that we lack, in the areas that we need to build up, in the areas that we need to do more, in the areas that we need to work hard, in the areas that we need to learn to prepare ourselves for marriage. And I pray, Lord God, that even in a room like this size, there's many relationships that are going to brew. There's going to be many relationships that are going to lead to marriage. I pray that those marriage and those relationships will be based on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that you will pour out all wisdom, all knowledge, all discernment into these young people for them to be able to succeed in life, to do well and be well-pleasing unto you, Lord. So move in this room, Lord, in Jesus' name. God's people said,